Anybody need to cough, belch, mm. fart, whatever you gotta do? La, 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 la. <laughs> now is the time. Low voice, I was in the crib when my balls dropped. Earthquake when they hit, bro, they split rocks. Now my girl's hotter than that summer asphalt. If she turned me down, God knows that it's her loss. Alright, motherfucker, we're live, we're recording. I hit the button, it's on. The button has been pressed. The button has been pressed. Everybody, welcome to Shit Happens When You Party Naked. Thank you guys all for listening to the show. I'm joined by my wife, as usual. Hi, wife. Hi, Javi. What's going on, baby? Not much. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You want me to sing you a song today? No. Okay. I won't (laughs) sing you a song today. Instead, I will introduce our real guest, Scotty McAlarney, a.k.a. Scotty Mac, a.k.a. Scotty Macrose. You'll find out about that nickname later, a.k.a. Scotty Mac Truck Cock. And uh, I'll find out about that nickname a little bit later in my booty. And uh, what's up, Scotty? What's going on, man? What's happening, Jason? Thanks for having me. Hey, man, I'm glad you could join us finally. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Happy to have you on. We haven't done a whole lot of like uh, bodybuilding chat on this show. Uh, in the past, and I'm glad to have a bodybuilder on the show so that we can do a little, do a little talking about the bodybuilding. But you have an interesting personal history as well, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into some of that. Absolutely. I'm an open book, so ask away and I'll share away myself. Indeed. Well, I suppose we just get started at the beginning, you know what I mean? Scotty Mack came out of his mother's vagina, and um, that's pretty cool. We're all, we're all happy that that event occurred. Probably some sex between your mom and dad preceded that uh, by about nine months or so. I don't know if you were born premature or what, but... There has been a question of immaculate conception in my case, but that remains undetermined. Yeah. Uh, my, without, without getting too off topic, my general thought about immaculate conception is that... Um, it's mostly like, hey, I got drunk, you know, some some shit went down. I'm pregnant, but you know, I'm I'm just gonna tell everybody like I woke up pregnant. Like you know, I feel like I feel like Bill Cosby could have done that shit. Like somebody just wakes up pregnant after hanging out with Bill Cosby. You know, what I'm has saying? anyone ever consented to immaculate conception? You know what? I, I'm trying to remember how it went in the Christian, you know, like I know that the Archangel Gabriel came down and like visited Mary. I don't know if that was like a prelude, like, hey, you going to get knocked up or like, hey, you already knocked up with the Son of God. I don't know if that's a, a thing or not. I can't remember my Sunday school teachings. At this so. point, anyway, statute of limitations has passed, so we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave it that. <laughs> Indeed. So... Um, you you have you, you are currently a bodybuilder. Let's talk about kind of like where you are now, what's going on with you right now, and then we'll back it up and we'll learn about how you got there. Sounds like a plan. So, so. You're, you're a bodybuilder, com- competitive bodybuilder in the NPC. That's actually how we met. We met at the first NPC show that I competed at here in New England. Yes, we where did. Where the love started. That is where the love started. Yes. That's where the love story began. How long have you been competing in the NPC, Scotty? So my first competition in the NPC was four years ago. That was the NPC New England Championships in Boston. What year was that? What was that, 2015, is that right? So was that the first show? Was that your first show that I met you at? 2014. If I do the math, four years ago, I believe, was 2014. Yeah, and I believe that is the New England Championship that I competed in. (laughs) I think that was my first show up here. Yeah, I think so too. So I actually met you at your first show. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was. 
didn't know you mentioned that. it. That's, that's crazy. That's cool. Oh, it's even cuter. It is almost cuter. Aww. That was my first show in New England. So maybe he was nervous and you look like a yeah. nice guy and wanted to cuddle maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But... He looked like somebody who would hold me and comfort yeah. me in my yeah. time. He'd be the big spoon. <laughs> I'm, yeah, and feel me since. <laughs> I don't mind being a big spoon. So you've you've been competing pretty pretty much straight since then. I mean, I don't think you've had any substantial time off. You haven't had any like prolonged off season since then. You're just kind of the normal length for an off season to make improvements and get bigger, right? Uh, well, you know, one thing I would point out is. Myself and in my own training, I have I've taken a year off between each show. So mm-hmm. a lot of people do try to compete. You know, around here in New England, we have uh, generally the fall season, we have the spring season. Few shows scattered on the beginning and end portions of those. But a lot of people will end up doing a show and then six months later try to hop in another one. I prefer to take a little more time, so I've done fall mm-hmm. season shows each year. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think six months is the right gap between shows. I think if you're going to compete in multiple shows in a season, then get them back to back so that you can maintain your condition through the shows. Um, you know, hit hit a few shows that are within maybe a month or six weeks or something of each other, and then when it is time for an off season, take an off season. Really give yourself time to mm-hmm. a recover from that contest prep, and then b um, give yourself time to make improvements as well because that doesn't happen overnight. What do you and think about that? Those right two are the exact exact points I always go to is you know you your body needs to recover. You know contest prep and competing is something that you know does put the body through some stress and uh, you want to give yourself time to recover from that. Let yeah. your body really get back to good health. And this is bodybuilding. You know, we're trying to build, and mm-hmm. during the time that you're preparing for a contest, we're not doing much building. We're really trying to no. trim the body fat off. So we need that season. We need that off season, as people call it. I like to tell my clients it's improvement season because yeah. we're not taking any time off here. We're keeping the focus, working toward goals. I think that's actually probably a great way to phrase it versus off season. I think the term off season is so widely used in the bodybuilding community. Uh, the competitive bodybuilding community, I should say. Um, but it's so, the off-season term is so frequently used, but you have a good point. You're not, you're not taking time off. You, you work very hard in the off-season. You, you, you really have to train very hard, but you have an opportunity to. You have an opportunity to increase your calories, to have a surplus, um, and then put that, that food to good use and, and, and do some good training. So I like that you call it the improvement season instead of the off-season. That's a way, better way to frame it. And it helps mentally, too, because after a show, a lot of people, uh, a lot of competitors tend to go through a bit of a tough time mentally, even depression at times when Mm. they've been working toward this one goal for so long. And then now that the show's passed, all of a sudden they have nothing they're working toward. They feel lost. And especially then when you have the freedom to eat what you want to eat and you've Mm. been restricted for a while with that diet very easy to mentally lose your way and it can be a scary situation for some. So focusing on improvements, setting goals becomes important. Yeah, actually that was something that I did want to ask you about as well. Um, Speaking of the bodybuilding is that bodybuilders will often binge eat after a show like you mentioned. In fact, I remember uh, prior to my shows, like usually the Friday before the show, maybe the Thursday before the show, the show's on a Saturday. So this is like 24 to 48 hours before the show, I would go to a grocery store and I would like fill the cart 
with all the bullshit that I was craving because I hadn't been eating it. Right? Oh, yeah. I was like fucking like muffins, ice cream, kids cereal, Oreos. Oatmeal cream rice. Oh, yeah. Little Debbie <laughs> all over the place. Like, holy shit. And I, I used to, I mean, I've got pictures of like my friends, uh, of myself that we took of just like a table covered with like Dorito bags and Pop-Tarts and just shit. Enemans, donuts, and stuff just waiting to go. And it's like you, the Sunday after the show, you'd be ripping into this shit. And I would like bloat myself out sometimes. I really like the first couple times learned my lesson. And in, in later mm-hmm. shows, like I've, okay, have a little bit, but dial it back. But do you feel like, um, I, I feel like maybe now that I'm looking back at my bodybuilding career, that maybe um, that wasn't the healthiest mentality. Do you feel like, Maybe the bodybuilders um, and and the female fitness competitors too. They they're really oh, notorious yeah. about doing this. <laughs> Do you feel like that's a a good a good thing, a good habit, a good mentality to have? Uh, you know, it's it's really it's not it's really not. But we all do. We all yeah. we all like to have our treats after our diet. We all like to go and enjoy ourselves and binge a little, if you will. I'll tell you, I don't trust a person who doesn't like shitty food. Like when someone tells me they don't like pizza, they don't like cheeseburgers with bacon on them. Full of shit. I I think you are (laughs) fucking lying to me. I work in dietetics. I work with dietitians. I have for like 12 years worked with registered dietitians. Mm -hmm. And look, your average registered dietitian is like a 26-year-old chick. She just graduated college and she's like, I don't like pizza. I like kale. I'm like, fuck you, bitch. Look, Mm -hmm. maybe you don't eat as much pizza because you're trying to stay fit and you know what kind of impact it has on you and you you eat more kale than pizza, but don't fucking lie to me and tell me you don't like pizza. No, the cauliflower crust tastes better. Yeah, fuck you. You know you (laughs) like that fucking pizza. You tell me you don't like pizza, you're, you're full of shit. I will say, before my time with Jason, I never ate pizza with like meat and um, I never ate bacon. I didn't eat ice cream. I didn't eat, I never ate chips. I didn't have mayonnaise in my house. And now mm. I do enjoy those kind of things. First of all, I want to say, Just saying. you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> B, I am the devil. I am the devil. So, um, dressed up in bacon. Yeah, I am, I am the devil, and I cleverly disguised as cleverly. Cake. Yes, yep. I I get people fat, and that's that's what I do. That's how I roll. And now yeah. I find it interesting. Now that I've started eating those kind of foods, I enjoy those foods, and yes. it would probably be a little more difficult to stop. So but thank you, honey. You're very welcome. And I, I like I said, if you were to tell me I don't like pizza, I would just say you're full of fucking shit. It's okay to eat kale. It's okay to like kale. I enjoy kale. I like kale. But I think that if you're going to tell me that you dislike unhealthy food, I think you're lying to yourself, and I think you're bullshitting me. So mm. fuck that. But so I agree with you, Scotty, in that we, we we do all enjoy. I mean, I fucking love donuts. I've only had them once this year. I'm, I've been pretty good boy this year. But hey, way to go! I know I've been very well behaved with the sweets this year in my A1C. Like, we're celebrating my A1C. I'm a type 1 diabetic, everybody listening, if you didn't know that. I am a type 1 diabetic, and I do get my A1C checked very regularly with my endocrinologist, and I'm way down. I'm like 20. It's a 20% reduction, a 20% improvement in my A1C. There we go. Um, And that's thanks to the Dexcom I wear. It's weird what happens when you stop eating bullshit. It is. It is. It Actually, it's proof that... And when you have a good influence from your wife, you know, versus the bad influence you've got on her... It's Mr. Balanced. Bacon Devil. Yeah, she's the yin to my yang. She's the kale to my bacon. I mean, it's, <laughs> we, we've achieved a better balance, I think, this year. But as I was saying, we do. We all like 
Even non-bodybuilders enjoy those treats. Well, and look physiologically at what happens in your body when you take these things in. You know, we're talking about the release of chemicals in the brain that make you feel good. That's what sugar mm-hmm. intake does. That's, that's what, why they call it comfort food. I precisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where, unfortunately, issues do come in to bring it back to the, the health question. You know, is this a healthy way to be? Is it not? You know, if we're restricting our diet and then... When you do have that huge sugar rush and suddenly your serotonin shoots through the roof and you have this true high from these foods that you haven't had in so long, it can be dangerous. And especially for people who, if your mentality is an addictive one, if, you're, if you have that abnormal reaction and you have that you know, serotonin spike up and you feel good, that's when it can be an issue and that's where... You know, to to touch back on that question there, that's where we want to really keep an eye out as far as health and uh, mental health as well. Yeah, I think it. I think it is a big thing mentally for me. Is is that my concern is the mentality of the thing. I obviously the physio- physiology of the thing is concerning as well because of the cascade of events that occur uh, subsequent to consuming that type of of food. That's mm-hmm. the very high. Um, mostly the very high refined carbohydrate, um, added sugars, things like high fructose corn syrup, but also the combination of starches and fats that you find in things like pizza and the cheeseburger I mentioned because it has a bun on it Mm -hmm. and the French fries that are deep fried in oil but filled with starch. So um, I feel like, yeah, there's the physiological response to that, but then what concerns me most is the... The mental, the mental, the the like. What what does that say about a person's brain? And I think it it really drives home the fact for me that that bodybuilders operate in these extremes. It's not, it's not. Um, I mean, people say it's a lifestyle. It is indeed a lifestyle. It's it's almost more than that too. It's almost like it's an obsession. You don't do it kind of as a hobby. You don't meet a lot of people at, at bodybuilding shows who are like, yeah, just you know, sometimes I bodybuild. It's it's very very serious thing for people, and it's extreme. The, the body weight, you know, you're getting up to, I was 260 pounds at one point, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, the body weight is extreme. The amount of weight that you lift in the gym is extreme. You're not going in there and doing like a little Planet Fitness workout with a little, you know, I'll do some push-ups mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll, I'll do the ropes. You're like, I'm going to lift as much weight as I can until a tendon snaps, basically. You're pushing every aspect really to the extreme, as you're saying. Indeed. Every aspect. So, I mean, like, is that... I guess that that maybe those post contest binges kind of come with the territory. It's part of living everything to the extreme. I mean everything. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, and a lot of people are just fine with you know you have that that day after the show or the night of the show. Yeah. You go and you go extreme and you have uh, you know you fill yourself up way too much, and then then you're good after the fact. Um, one of the things I know we're, we're touching on today also is uh, recovery. I myself am a, am a uh, recovered addict. Um, I'm glad you brought that up first. I was wondering, like, how I do want, I want to talk about addiction. I, I, it's a uh, really important topic to me, mm-hmm. and it's a really fascinating topic to me. And I, I did want to discuss your past as well as Absolutely. your current. Uh, and I did want to, I wanted to broach that, but I was like, how the fuck am I going to bring Where's that Where's the up? segue? Like, yeah, how do we, how do we, I sw- smoothly segue into that shit? I mean, it's, that's, that's kind of a heavy topic to get into. Yeah. So, and you um, know, this, this for me is, because this, uh, this hits the nail on the head for me because we're talking about an abnormal reaction here. And so, yeah. so uh, if you're looking at addiction and you're looking in, so I, uh, I was, 
I am part of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I abstain from the use of any drugs or alcohol. Um, and in that program, we look at what is addiction and what what is the issue at hand here. And it's an abnormal. Well, we uh, we refer to it as having an allergy. Right, an allergy to the substance we put mm. in our body. We have an abnormal response. Which That's a good analogy, is. I think, um, because if you think about the immune response to mm-hmm. an allergy and, and the way that those work, um, you know, it, your body misrecognizes a protein and responds in a way that is not physiologically normal for the majority of people. But Precisely. You have most people who, you know, have a beer or a drink or... Whatever the case may be, go out for a night, have a little party, and uh, they can put it down after the fact. Yeah. An abnormal reaction is the person who can't. Yeah. And uh, so that, for me, is something that I've done a lot of work in my life on, and uh, it plays right into this, though, too, because when you have that binge, when you have that serotonin spike, it feels good, and it changes the way your body feels and is working, Mm -hmm. and as an addict we can have that same abnormal response to that to that same spike in serotonin, just like yeah. a drug. Do you feel like um, that maybe there are addictions that are not drug-related that are still valid addictions? 100%. So you think food addiction is definitely a thing? I absolutely think so. Okay. Um, you know, I, I would frankly say I know so. You know, we see precisely what we talk about in addiction, alcoholism, in literature and studies and in the program, we see that same abnormal response to any type of stimulus in the world, be it food, be it gambling, be it sex. You know, these addictions are real things. Despite not being a chemical, it still is a chemical reaction happening Mm -hmm. in the brain. Yeah, they still Mm -hmm. talk about, with regard to nutrition, they they talk about pharmacodynamics and pharmacokinetics of food stuff. Like you you eat foods, and and people don't always think this way, but even the good whole natural foods that you eat are comprised of chemicals. Mm -hmm. And those chemicals are then processed and absorbed by your body depending on what what exactly is in there, what their mm-hmm. makeup is specifically. And um, there is a physiological response to food. And I know that studies of food addiction have focused a lot on the um, neurological response to uh, certain foods, the like you said, the dopamine, serotonin, mm-hmm. how are these receptors affected, what areas of the brain um, are active in the wake of consuming certain foods and certain types of foods, focusing a lot on sugars and of course. stuff like that. And then they show the same the same parts of the brain that are lighting activated. up from and yeah. activated precisely from cocaine use are activated from high sugar intake. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, and then so you wonder. What that brings up for me is that um, nobody has to do cocaine, right? I mean, nobody has to do <laughs> cocaine. You can live a long life, and I'm sure many people have throughout history lived long and productive lives, very healthfully, without ever consuming cocaine. But you don't live very long, and you're not very healthy if you don't consume food. So with regard to addiction, typically, and and you'll back this up for me, I'm sure, the the typical treatment for addiction, I yell at her. I yell at her so much. So much. So much. I'm going to wait till they leave to beat you, though. (laughs) Don't let him see it. Scotty's going to join in, man. He's going to hold you back while I work the ribs, you know? Yeah, so the the typical treatment for addiction uh, involves 
abstinence from the substances. You, you, if you're an addict and you're going to NA meetings, they're, they're not going to say, well, you know, just have a little bit of cocaine, just the amount that you need. But I feel like <laughs> just the food, magical amount. Yeah, just there's, there's a right amount, right? There's not too much. But with food, there is like a right amount. You, you need to eat some food. And um, obviously, we can uh, focus on abstention from certain foods like, you know, eat less of the pizzas and the cheeseburgers, eat less of the donuts, drink less of the soda. But regardless, that stuff is everywhere. I mean, you don't go into a Burger King and see a cocaine fountain, but you do see a soda fountain when you go into Mm -hmm. a Burger King. So how do you feel like that maybe affects the comparison of a food addiction with like a real, like a narcotics addiction? Great question. You know, um, it's it's scary, frankly. And one of the biggest issues to me is really the lack of education and knowledge on this. Because walking into a Burger King, a huge majority of people, you know, they know they're not they're not walking in and eating a handful of broccoli. You know, you're not going into Burger King getting a great healthy meal but still the the wide majority really don't understand what that food or that soda is doing to their body and so and they're indulging in it without really the the knowledge of what they're creating and what they're doing the addiction that they're creating and then of course the big thing for me you know me I love kids um watching children who are subjected to the same and a lot of times the parents don't quite realize you yeah know? I don't think I don't think there are many parents out there I think the vast majority of parents would never do any harm to their kids that's the top priority for 99.9 percent of parents out there is like make sure your kid is safe and sound and never do anything that's gonna put them in harm's way but I don't think you, I mean I think you're you're 100 right that parents don't consider the type of harm that might befall their child based on what they're feeding the kid and how that affects them over time. Like, okay, an Oreo is fine, but feeding the kid fast food, I I always feel bad for the kids because they don't have a source of income. They don't have the ability to drive. They have to eat what the parent feeds them. And if the parent feeds them poorly and and are making too many uh, indulgent food choices, then you do have the childhood obesity that you see, and that's that's almost out of their hands. Well, and, and, and even worse than that is what it's setting up for the future for these kids. Exactly. You know, you grow up on that, you're not getting away from it easily. There's a high um, correlation between if you're obese as a kid, you're so much more, I don't yeah. know what the percentage is, but you're at such a high risk for being obese as an adult. Like, but it's huge. It's I huge. I think the research shows that if you've ever been obese... It's very, very, very difficult yeah. to reverse that condition permanently. I There's mean, people so lose weight, but then they gain weight again. Well, and that's where my, my history comes from. That's where I first started getting into health or working out at all. I was the chunky kid in my family growing up. Damn, you were the chunky kid. I was, I was. That was my guess. Chunky I mean, Scotty. looking at him, I'm like, I bet you were. I bet you were fat when you were you younger. Think? Yeah, like, totally. Seriously, like, I, I it's see hard. it. Jeez. <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll post a pic on Instagram of me and Scotty. We took a few pics. We snapped a few pics prior to recording this. So crazy. I'll post some pics so that you guys can see what I'm talking about. But the guy's like fucking, I, I gave him a hug when he got here. I'm like, Jesus Christ. He's, he's carved out of marble. I mean, he's harder than my dick. This guy is, this guy is harder than my dick on when 30 minutes. When you're looking at Seattle. me or when you're not looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, even on 30 MIGs of Cialis, you're harder than my dick. I'm just saying. And that, that's Cialis. Let me tell you something. Oh, my goodness. That's Cialis. I took a Cialis one time. I'm telling you. No, I mean, I've taken it more than one time. But once I took Cialis, and I'm, like, spotting my homeboy. You know, Cialis is, like, a long... You were spotting your... Hold on, hold on. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. So, uh, Where Cialis, is this going? I want to introduce... You got to be ready for these situations. No, you, know, you do have to be ready. The, the fact is, Cialis is, is a longer... You know, longer release. You you get the effects of Cialis for a longer duration than maybe some of your other penis pills. Um, so the Cialis, like, it's in you for a little bit, right? I mean, it's not like yeah, 24, sure 24, 36 hours, something like <laughs> well, that. It's not, in, it's not in you that long. Ooh. It's not in you that long. I mean, 60, 90 seconds. But it's in me for like, it's it, going to give you three minutes. Oh, come on, man. You're, you're too generous. I love you. Um, but it's in me for like, I don't know, it's a good, good 24, 36 hour half life on this stuff. You're supposed to only take it once a day, but I'm telling you, this shit works because I'm like spotting homeboy at the gym as he's doing like the bench press and I'm standing right there. If that fucking shit rubbed me any closer, I mean, I'm like, I'm ready to go. Like I had to go to the tug one out in the locker room. I'm telling you what. God forbid he hits a PR, you're coming right on there. Dude, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, dude, I, I hope you don't have too many more reps in you because this thing keeps brushing me and I'm, uh, I'm about Here to comes the confetti. I'm by <laughs> <laughs> Boom, 10 reps. <laughs> This shit's just raining down on me. <laughs> protein shake. Yeah, boom protein. That is like literally boom protein everywhere. How do you feel about the food addiction topic versus versus uh, real addiction? Do you feel good on that topic? Have we beaten that dead horse? Or do you want to, is there any thought you want to circle back to that? You know, one thing that I just uh, would touch on real quick with that, uh, one of my clients who I actually, it's funny, as we were talking here, I just got the text okay from him to uh, to share a little about him. Uh, one of my clients, he actually just competed and placed first place in his novice class. Fantastic. Congratulations, client, dude. What's his, you can give his first name or something. Yeah, this give him is an alias. client, Casey. Um, Casey, he's okay. done amazingly well. Um, Way to go, Casey, man. Good job, dude. Absolutely, absolutely. Proud of this guy. He's incredible. But um, he actually is also in recovery. He and I share that. Uh, we also both have that reaction with food, though. You know, I have to be very careful with myself. If I'm having a cheat meal or uh, if my girlfriend Jen and I are deciding to have a night out. Yeah, a nice little date night. We, oh, we yeah. enjoy date nights, too, me and my wife. You got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah. got to live a little. But I need to order the amount that I'm going to eat and I eat that amount and I enjoy it and then I need to make sure that I watch myself because I yeah. have an abnormal reaction. If I have food that tastes good and makes me feel good, I want to feel better. And so Casey and I have been working a lot on he's had issues with binging. Yeah. So it's like if some is good, then more is better, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a very uh, common mentality with regard to both bodybuilders in those extremes of eating and dieting and eating and dieting. And we talked about weight loss and weight regain. And I think that's, I mean, we, we lose 20, 30. I, I know people who lose 50 and 60 pounds for a bodybuilding show and then put that shit right back on oh, within immediately. Yeah. Within a month. I mean, they're, they'll, so the, 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 the type of like weight changes and stuff like that, the weight fluctuations is insane. And, and you were um, saying too, the girls can be even worse. Sometimes the girls are, the it, girls are just as bad as the dudes, if not worse, because they will have so much bullshit food lined up afterward. Mm-hmm. What I would touch on with that, just to, uh, as far as anybody listening who does have any of these issues going on, biggest piece of advice from me, and this is just, you know, bottom of my heart, and then we'll get to some lighthearted stuff after this, find 
someone to talk to about it. Find someone who has the same issues and who has worked through them. Um, you know, if you have questions about it, feel free to contact me, uh, Scotty Max seven one zero on Instagram. Shoot me a message. Um, Honestly, these things are not something that we can deal with on our own. If you have the same type of issues that Casey, myself, or any of the other many people I know who deal with it have, you need to find a way to recover from these issues. You're talking drugs or binge eating, right? I am indeed, yeah. Any type of addiction that you're dealing with, find someone who knows the answer. Mm. Get yourself into some sort of a 12-step recovery program or at least just some way to be working toward a way to fix these issues. Yeah, I'm with you there. Actually, that raises a, a good point. It's a good good time for me to ask yeah, this question. Well One of the questions I did have for you was how can you how can you be a good supportive friend or family member to someone who is dealing with uh, addiction, whether they are um, in recovery or not yet. Is there a way, mm. well, what's your recommendation for, maybe maybe people are listening to this who, who are in that spot in terms of addiction, but maybe there are people who are listening to this who say, oh, wow, that, that reminds me of my cousin or my uncle or my, my, my own son or my own daughter. Yep. What advice would you give the family member that, that just wants the best and wants to be as helpful as possible? How do we support people who are either in the throes of addiction or in the recovery process? That is such a good question. And uh, tough, tough part of that is it can be a very case-by-case scenario. Sometimes, sometimes there are certain ways you need to help. And other times you need to be strong enough to not. What helped you? So I was, uh, toward the end of my using, personally, I had gotten to the point where I was injecting heroin, I was injecting cocaine, I was literally waiting to die any day. God damn. (laughs) Oh, god damn. Those people who know me now for who I am, it, it... it surprises the hell out of them, but I still remember that like it was yesterday because I try to keep that really fresh in my mind. Yeah. And that's what I can go back to if I decide to take that step and slip up again. So, yeah. so you need that vulnerability to remind you like, hey, man, like I'm not invincible. I can't. I still have to. I have to keep my vulnerabilities at the forefront of my mind. Absolutely. I'm still an addict despite the fact that I am not using. I'm not an active addict. I'm not putting anything in my body that changes the way my body works. If I do, my body will react in that abnormal way. All how the long, same. How long did you use for? Uh, on and off, you know, let's see, eight years or so. Um, wow. But and it, it's a disease of progression. You know, it wasn't something that I didn't start off with heroin, you know, and very wow. luckily I <laughs> I actually who does, right? I mean, <laughs> Some people might, though. Who just goes, I, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. if you go right to heroin, I, I do want to hear from you. I'm mean, being a little flippant, but uh, Jason.Almy at uh, TeamAlmy.com. Um, if you went straight to heroin, if you skipped over booze and weed, I want to hear from you. Very uh, rare, but I, I have known a couple, actually. I, mm-hmm. I may see if they want to talk to you about it. To answer your, uh, your initial question as far as what did stop me, what, did, yeah. what, what actually my family yeah. did, uh, at, at the end there... My life was so hopeless. I had no view of a way out. I was lying to everyone in my life, trying to pull the wool over their eyes. The very, very end for me was when my father actually told me that my mother and my sister were going to say goodbye 
and then they were done with me. He was turning off my phone. They were cutting me off because I was dragging them all through hell, and they couldn't take it anymore, and they couldn't let me drag them down. And it was the hardest thing my parents have ever had to do. It was the only thing that finally made it worth it to me to break down, to be honest, and to give up the fight and finally give in and let someone help me. If I may, it sounds like you can sometimes help best by stepping aside because you can't, it's not a problem that you can throw money at. And people think maybe you can because you can pay for rehab. You can, you can throw money at, at rehab. You can get them medical treatment and stuff. But, but I, I think what, from talking to people like yourself and others, what I've, what I've really gleaned is that this is not a problem. This is not putting new tires on your car when you get a flat. This not is not you can pay away. a new roof. Yeah, you can't just say, well, I've got savings. Let's just throw some money at it and fix the roof or put on new tires or whatever. This is, this is you, you can't give them money to help them out. You can't no. give them a job to help them out. You, you almost is, have to. They just have to want it. Yeah. They so, have to find a way to finally want it. And that was it for me. And I, you guys know me. I love my family more than yeah, anything in the world. And sure. so the thought of... That's something my, we have in common because I love your family as well. Oh. <laughs> your dad, your, pa, your mom. Mm, yeah. Hey now, hey now. <laughs> say, what, say what's up to your sister for me too. <laughs> I love your family. You got to be careful. All at the same time. These mics are heavy. <laughs> um, but oh, so you know, uh, the my my big the big takeaway there is a lot of times, a lot of people who are trying to help somebody in the throes of addiction, are really just enabling them to keep going. And mm-hmm. you know, when when that be it a family member, be it a friend, whoever it is who is actively struggling, when they come to you and they ask you for that twenty dollars or the ride downtown so they can see their friend or whatever it may be. If you give in, if you're helping them, if you're helping them use, you're helping them die. I just imagine mm-hmm. like driving a buddy down downtown, like, oh, you know, I got to go see my friend. You know, give me a ride. Okay, I'll give you a ride. I'll give you a ride. We'll go see your buddy. And I'll be like, huh? I didn't know you had any Jamaican friends. That dude has dreadlocks. <laughs> you buddies with that guy? Where'd you meet that guy? You meet that guy at college? Where'd you that meet Flacco? Yeah, where'd you? <laughs> that guy has a face tattoo. That's weird. That's so. That's odd. Why is he pointing a gun at me? Oh fuck! All right, he, he took my wallet. Okay, now he's pulling my pants down. Oh shit! Now it's in my butt. <laughs> where'd you say you know him from? <laughs> church. Yeah where'd, you, yeah, where'd you meet this guy? You met this guy at church. You, you met this guy at um, You met in Boy Scouts? You met in Boy I was just about to say oh. Boy Scouts. <laughs> well the pants pulling down, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was an altar boy? That's where he learned that move? Oh God. So how old were you when you first used drugs for the first time? Maybe or even like drank inappropriately. Let's I'll throw that out there too, because a lot of times people start with booze. You know what's actually funny? Um I was I think a junior in in high school. Okay. So not super early, not anything like that. I had yeah. a great childhood growing up. I have a loving family, super supportive. Um, you know, I was in honors classes, um, got into some great schools. Yeah, because you're a smart ad. I almost said you're a smart ass, dude, but you're not. You are kind of a smart ass <laughs> as well, but you're I'm really a smart ass. You're a really intelligent dude. Mm-hmm. You're a very smart dude. Mm-hmm. So the honors classes, I well, told say it one more buy. time for me. You're a very, <laughs> you're a very smart dude, buddy. 
Aww. And you're a smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, it, it can it affects everyone. It, this disease does not discriminate. Mm-hmm. That's one of the big things that you know. Just because someone has money or has a good childhood or something, just because they're not from the product, from the projects, from the ghetto, or the wrong side of the tracks, it can be anybody. It's it's a it's a mental mental disorder. So you're saying it's not just poor brown people. It's this affects white people too. White people, too. Oh, that's insane. Okay, I better look out. Um, sorry, sorry, so sorry, sorry, Joanne. Sorry, Joanne. Um, uh, so the, 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 the first experience was, you, you said you were a junior, 16, 17, something like that, sounds like? Yeah, something like the 16 okay. years old, high school teenager. party. Um, and Someone was passing around the black tar heroin or? Uh, it was uh, crystal meth, actually. No, okay. <laughs> no smoke. Breaking Bad was popular back then, and uh, <laughs> no, come on, not yet. I'm older than that, oh. asshole. Trying to, I was trying to give you credit. Hey, man, I'm I'm sensitive about my age. I don't like being old. No, I uh, literally, you know, smoked a little weed and like had a couple beers. May have had a shot of something, something like that. But typical um, teenage shit. I mean, very I, that sounds very shit. typical. I, I imagine that there are so many millions of teenagers out there that have that experience when they're 16, 17. You go to a party, you, you drink a couple of the old man's beers, you, you pass around a joint maybe. I feel like I did that dozens of times when I was a teenager. Christina? Yeah, I did it a lot. You did a bunch? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> why, why then does it hit Scotty? I mean, why is he, he drew the short straw? I mean, was that... Right, there you go. It's, and that's, that's just the thing is it's just a peculiar mental twist. It's literally a line right out of the big book. Peculiar mental twist. And that's all it is. I think it's like a, a interaction with environment and genes. Sometimes I, I go back to that. like where, Epigenetics. Yeah, where your environment triggered that like genetic expression. And, yeah. and, mm. and then and whatever else that's happens. That's the obesity genetics as well. There are a lot of genetics connected to the, the current like clinical obesity mm-hmm. in that it's not just one single one. And uh, having those certain genes doesn't mean that you will become obese, but it there you at a are, higher risk. It puts you at a higher risk and there are external epigenetic factors yeah. that will mm-hmm. st- turn those switches yeah. on kind of. Exactly. Thing. So like if somebody with these genes, they... So if you have somebody with the gene, without a gene, if they're in the same environment, that person with the gene will be at a much higher risk and will likely, they could do the same exact Definitely. thing, but they'll respond differently. So same. Well, let me, let me ask you, Christina and Scotty as well, I want to ask you, because there are uh, physiological, I mean, there's actually genetic connection. Marker, yeah. yeah. There are, there are things that, that you can find a correlation at least. Yeah. That you can yeah. go to and you can say, well, there are genes that affect obesity. There are genes that, that possibly affect addiction as well. Do you feel like that opens the door? Is there a possibility down the line that maybe there will be treatments for these things that, that will affect, um, you know, DNA transcription or protein synthesis or, or anything like that that will then you can almost take as a prophylactic. Like you've got a uh, like vaccination. Yeah. They do the breast cancer testing and a lot of women have undergone double mastectomy because they do have the, the breast cancer gene and they want to nip it in the bud. Right. Take away that opportunity. Take away the possibility yeah. for it. You know, uh, hey, if... If it if it turns out to work, that that would be incredible. Absolutely. Um, I, I what think, it also plays ahead. on. Oh, uh, 
One of the other things to bear in mind, though, too, is I think that there's also levels to this thing. You know, if you have someone who is not predisposed to be an addict and you give them heroin every day for a year, yeah, chances are you've got a heroin addict by the end of that year. You'll make an addict out of the people. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the nature of some of these drugs. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, some are, are probably worse than others. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, we're going to have kids, and um, chances are pretty good. Our kids are going to drink a beer. Our kids are going to smoke a little pot. But I would much rather have the kids smoke pot and try pot out than heroin or cocaine or something, crack meth. I mean, something that's incredibly addictive. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like your, your chances are a little bit better on the weed. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. And I was going to say that um, genes to me are just one piece in like addiction or a lot of these things. It's not single, it's like factorial. It's there's exactly. multiple things going on. Genes are just one picture, like yeah. obesity. Yeah. Same thing. Genes might play a role, but you can't ever just narrow it down to one thing. Right. Yeah, if you have the genes for for obesity, but you stay in a caloric deficit all the time, you're not going to be obese. Yeah. Old. And you're a marathon runner. Right. It's exactly. the epigenetic yeah. factors yeah. that we mentioned. I mean, um, that there's there's probably some some sort of physiological tie at a, at a very base, base nucleobase level um, that also is affected by behaviors. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. it's not like there were heroin addicts a thousand years ago, right? I mean, um, if the drug didn't exist, I don't think it exists. Yeah. I right, mean, or exactly. at least it didn't exist in, in all of the, the whole world. I mean, if you were living in North America, oh, there's, there's a reason new, why the, the Native Americans had such a hard time with alcohol. Well, they didn't drink a bunch of booze until shit coming out all the time too. They got the bath salts, and then they got you know all this stuff is just being created and you know mass produced to create these problems. And bath salts sound like a great way to get so fucked up that you mutilate your own genitals. Fuck that. Fuck that. <laughs> You're talking about people doing this shit and like eating faces and yeah, they think their dick is a zombie, so they close it in a panini press and they're they're like. I'm, I'm not even, you know, this this shit's crazy. Put a I'm fish hook through serious. their dick. How does that yeah. not sound like a good time to you? Well, I mean, <laughs> a fish hook through the dick does sound pretty nice because then, you know. Nice piercing. One of the one of the things that, uh, that that brings up, though, you know, like it's not like the drugs are going anywhere. So what we're talking yeah. about with the uh, environmental uh, impact on people you know, you have the genes, of course, like like oh. as he's saying, that's one piece, but uh, you have all these other pieces. And that's another thing to keep in mind. You know, you need to change these pieces yeah. in your life. You know, don't don't think that because you go to detox that you can come out and go hang out with the same yeah. friends at the same crack house yeah. and no. you're going to be just fine. Absolutely Same not. goes for. You've got to change you know, your if environment. You're, if you're overeating and you're a binge eater and you go to a 12-step program, don't go to the pastry shop and hang out all day because mm-hmm. you're friends with the girl who works there. Like, mm-hmm. separate yourself mm-hmm. from the environmental factors. Don't go to McDonald's and try to eat a fucking salad because their fucking salads suck. McDonald's salads fucking blow. You're going to get a double quarter pounder. They got the fresh, never frozen meat now. You're going to get that fucking double quarter pounder. You're going to get a cheese. You're going to get the extra large fries. Uh, you Diet gonna, Coke. Yeah. Hey, I fucking, I am that asshole. I go to Burger King. Oh, same here. Same here. I go to, I go to McDonald's and I got the fucking cheeseburgers. I got the fucking chicken, McChicken, chicken nuggets. I got fucking sauce on everything, fries, everything. And I'm drinking Diet Coke. You know why? It is a superior beverage. Fuck anybody that disagrees. Come on this show. I'll fucking fight you, motherfucker. Diet Coke is the 
best. The nectar of the gods. Diet Coke is the fucking best. <laughs> I'm addicted to Diet Coke. Speaking of addiction, I'm addicted to Diet Coke, and I don't give a fuck. I will take that shit to my grave. People are like, oh, you know you shouldn't be drinking. I'm like, fuck you. First of all, you got no right to tell me what I should and should not be drinking because this doesn't impair me to drive. It's Diet Coke. I'm not going to kill a school bus full of kids because I had one too many Diet Coke and then got behind the wheel. So first of all, fuck you. Second of all, it's not smoke. You don't have to walk through a cloud of my Diet Coke that I'm blowing out into the air. I'm not setting a bad example for your child. You have no right to tell me I shouldn't be drinking Diet Coke because it's not good for you. And fourthly, or fifthly, that might, that might be my fifth point. Fifthly, I don't give a does fuck. Throw off counting. I don't give a fuck if it takes ten years off my life. I fucking love the shit. It's worth it. It's worth it. The same cannot be said about drugs. <laughs> don't approve of drugs. I was hoping you were going to put in a little disclaimer right at the end there. Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I, got, I have to say, reel it back, reel it back. I don't. I don't want anyone out there using that logic, thinking, "Well, okay, now uh, this guy doesn't mind if Diet Coke." cuts his lifespan, so I don't mind if crack cocaine cuts my lifespan. That is not a good logical jump, because the, the Diet Coke, I'm still functioning, I haven't lost my job, I've only sucked dick for Diet Coke like three, maybe four times, um, so I don't suck that much dick for Diet Coke, but I feel like with the crack, you're going you're gonna to wind up losing your job and sucking some dick. So they're not the same people, okay? That's all I want to say. Don't Hashtag bath, bath salts are worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag I love oh, bath salts. Man. One thing I do, one thing I do want to um, want to ask is decriminalization of drugs. How do you feel about that? A lot of states are going the decriminalization and even legalization of recreational marijuana use. How do you feel about not specifically just marijuana, but all of the drugs maybe being decriminalized with a focus more on helping the person medically versus locking the person up, at least for the user? Awesome question overall. I think that drugs should be decriminalized. I think that there should be more focus on recovery programs, treating the addict, trying to help the issue. The issue is not like people are not being helped when they get put in jail for a petty drug crime. They're being turned into criminals. They're being turned Makes into it worse. convicts. Yeah. You know, the, the kid who decides to try coke at a party and gets arrested, and because he has that class of drug, he goes to jail. He was going to graduate and go to college and have a great life until he went to jail and learned all about cooking crack cocaine and then came out and turned into a street dealer, and then his life went down the drain further and ended yeah. up shot and well, killed. Well, if he's a, he, he's a felon, then it becomes even harder for him to, Can't to get, get a job. Yeah, yeah so good, what's he going to do job. for money? Exactly. I mean, he can serve me my fucking salad at McDonald's, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to do that. That's he's like going to make more money stuff. serving you crack. Indeed. He's going to be rolling in dough when he's giving me bath salts. <laughs> Help me get the fish hook out of my dick. enough on him, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, so yeah, that's my... You, you can't be locking people up for these things. You need to be treating the problem, not creating a further one. You're creating more problems by creating more criminals. How do you feel then about um, there have been a few initiatives in maybe more recent years in places like New York whereby um, the governments there, the local municipalities, are attempting to maybe curb some of the um, consumption of unhealthy foods, specifically sodas, by um, increasing the taxation on those items or even making it illegal to 
purchase a certain size or a certain quantity of this known entity that is known to be not the greatest and most nutrition food. Do you think that people should maybe not be allowed to buy a certain amount of soda if it's too much? Or should should the government step in and be able to regulate how frequently I eat McDonald's or um, you know how much soda you buy or, or anything like that? I mean, is that God, the government's place? That's such a toss-up. Part of, me, question. part of me wants to say survival of the fittest. You know, if you're out there and you're stupid enough to drink a 12-pack of full-sugar soda every day and give yourself diabetes and die, goodbye. Like, And Adios, let the rest amigo. of us who are actually you know, doing our part to put the right foods in our body and try to stay healthy and feed our kids right. Ebenezer know? Scrooge would have said, decrease the surplus population. I think that was <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge's words. He's like, you... Fuck right off, guys. I don't give a fuck. Go have your heart attack. Fuck right Trim off. Trim the fat off. But if you do follow that approach, then does the person's poor health then become a drain on a system that we must all use? Precisely. Insurance and then public funds. I mean, do I have a right to tell someone, you can't be fat because your fatness affects me? I mean, and then bring it back to the kids again, like we were talking about. You know, a lot of people who just don't have the information, they don't have the knowledge. You know, they they could figure it out for themselves. They could learn these things. But if they don't and they won't, they are poisoning their kids. So can we help those kids by making yeah, by limiting what we can involved. sell them? You yeah, know, should like, defects get involved? I'm going to take your kids away because your kids are obese? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's actually a little terrifying, the, the, the thought that... Now, there's a good question. You're, they're going to come take your kids because you're providing... A, this is an unsafe environment for your children. You're ruining your children's health because you're letting them drink soda every day. You're mm-hmm. putting Oreos in their lunchbox every day. I mean, could I get my kids taken You know what? Fuck it. I say yes. I say yes. Yeah. If you are if you are doing that to your child, you what are What if I'm not abusing. doing it willfully, though? I mean, I think with abuse, I mean, if I'm actually taking a belt to my children, that's a much more willful behavior. If I'm putting a cigarette out on my kid's forehead or whatever, on his, on his arm or something, I mean, that is like a very willful behavior. You need to take that kid away from me, but... Are you saying it's not a willful behavior to feed your kid McDonald's instead of a salad? Or well, as I said earlier, I don't think you mentioned the education several times. I think that maybe people don't understand that you, when you put a cigarette out on someone, you understand that that is causing them harm. It's causing them physical pain. It's causing them emotional trauma. But when you give the kid a fourth Oreo, mm. are you thinking I'm I'm doing this to cause harm? I mean, when if I put if I ball up my fist and punch my wife, that's at a deliberate attack. That's an assault. But if I cook my wife a lot of buttery food, uh, mm. is that that's not my attempt to 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 like disrupt? You're doing her it out socket. of love, though, because you think it's good and tasty, and it's tasty. you think it's, it's delicious. Make me and I want happy. you to enjoy my yeah. I want you to be happy. So I, want you to I enjoy feel my like meals. so I think that a lot of parents or a lot of people in general, um, I don't think it's due to a deficit of knowledge. I think we're in an information. Yeah, everyone knows cigarettes are bad for you. They smoke But everybody has information at their fingertips, so they know know that going to McDonald's four or five times a week is not good. Claiming ignorance is not. Yeah, so I think it goes back to what we're talking about with addiction and stuff in that people have these ingrained behaviors and habits and... Mm -hmm. That's what they do. That's how they eat and changing eating habits. It seems simple. It seems logical that, hey, this is high in fat. I shouldn't eat it, but it's never that easy. Like I work with a lot of patients and it's never that easy. There's so, all so much tied up into yeah, of course. Yeah, to bring it back to behavior. To bring it back to Scotty's experience with addiction. It's all about behavior. I'm, I think it's that's where it's I'm going. certain that there were times 
along the, the your your road while you were in the throes of addiction that you thought, wouldn't it be great if I could stop doing this? I wish I could put this down. Right. But you, you just hadn't, you hadn't had that moment, that rock bottom, that whatever. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people out there who suffer, who think, I really wish I didn't have to do this drug or that I weren't doing this drug or that I weren't yeah. drinking. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, yeah. it's, but they, and yet they still, they don't stop yet. And hopefully they do stop at some point, but they don't stop yet. But they, they almost, it's almost a self-loathing. Like I, like I'm a bad person because I keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And do you think that maybe, as you mentioned, Christine, it's behavior. I completely agree. We're in an information age. The info's out there. You know, cigarettes are bad. You smoke them anyway. You know, you know what you're doing. McDonald's isn't healthy. You know that French fries are not great to be eating. I don't think that you, I don't think you can compare though that instance. You know, if you have somebody who is a binge eater and when they eat some ice cream, they go and they binge with it, mm-hmm. that's, that is an abnormal reaction type of situation. But yeah. when you're talking about the, the mother or father who goes to the store, and fills the basket with ice cream, little Debbies, and Wonder Bread. They are making decisions right there. Not an addictive fueled, not an addiction yeah. fueled decision, but they are poisoning their children. So, to me, what we're talking about is more the difference of murder versus manslaughter. Here, are they premeditated to hurt their child, or are they hurting their child? It's a very indirect hurt. I mean, it's not indirectly, but the information's out there. I think parents need to be just held responsible. Mm. Yeah, so uh, like the owner of a dog that gets out and and bites someone, that that owner is held responsible. They're liable for that dog. And if that dog gets out and causes harm and bites a child and mauls a child, then that owner is held. The dog's probably put down, but you can't try the dog. You can't find the dog. You can't lock the dog up. You're going to put the, you're going to euthanize the dog, but then the owner must be accountable for, for allowing this dog out into someone else's yard to maul the kid. So you're saying sort of something similar. Even better example, that owner, if they have the dog and they lock it in the basement, never give it sunlight, never give it the right food. And that dog is found to be mistreated. And that person, is put in jail for animal cruelty, which they shouldn't. They should goddamn burn in hell. That is the type of parent that I think the parents who are feeding their kid ice cream, Wonder Bread, Twinkies, you know, on a regular basis, let them have a treat. They're kids. Mm. But do not poison your child. Do not mistreat and malnourish your child. Learn how to give your child the best life, the best health possible. That's your kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so that, that's I think that's a good takeaway message is to to tell parents like, look, you got to feed this youngster. Do I think the government should step in? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you lock your kids up in the basement, or if you lock your dog up in the basement, they never see sunlight, and you put cigarettes out on them. Yeah, you should go to jail. Mm-hmm. And not, not only do they deserve to die, but I hope they burn in hell. Right, mm-hmm. Christina? Yeah, <laughs> but that that kind of brings up one more point before we move off. Is I think it's expecting the parents. I think the parents themselves need to get the help because I don't think they know how to, like, I'm not making excuses, but it's like they need to change and they might not be ready to. They might have their own eating issues. They have their own stuff. And unfortunately, then it gets carried on to the kids, you know, so it's like expecting them to stop and change. Bam, because I have a kid. Some might. I think some might. And or or then you start seeing where they're feeding their kid this way, but they're eating this way. But so I think it, it they need to fix get you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think that you're nailing it there too, is that the 
the education on these things, if if it could be more readily available, you know, and but then it's still on the parents. They need to step up and they need to educate themselves. But if we had it more readily available for them too, so you guys know my full time job, I manage the vitamin shop in Everett, Mass. Twenty three Missing View Road in Everett. <laughs> go, go visit um, Scotty. Buy some. Come on, buy by. some good protein. <laughs> He'll sell you the good shit. Doctor Hyde. We'll we'll rail some. If you're if you're trying to get clean, you know, off that uh, off that blow, go go rail some Hyde, man. It's pretty close. It's, uh, <laughs> Come similar. slam some pre workout instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so but I deal with people coming on on a daily basis who they have no idea what it is that they're really looking for or what they need, and that's not a dig at any customer. It's that there's so much information. They have mm-hmm. no. There's, there's no reason for them to know these things. Mm-hmm. I just know? I go with whatever Doctor Oz says. So I, I watch the Doctor <laughs> Oz show. I go to his website and whatever Doctor Oz says, buy. Man, I rush out and That's buy. Fucking uh, painful. I love me some Doctor Oz. Give me like Oz. ten kilos of Garcinia Cambogia. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying, Doctor Oz. Man, that guy's. He's got it. No, listen. He he knows Oprah. He's got to know his shit. If Oprah. He's got Dr. Dr. right in his name. Yeah, it's Dr. is in the name. I'm pretty sure it's on his birth My primary care is Dr. Phil. When he's not around, Dr. Oz got me. Yeah, I feel like I go to Dr. (laughs) Phil maybe more for the the therapy, the psychotherapy, but then if I need medicine, I'm going to Dr. Oz for like, what what drugs should I take, Dr. I'm kidding. You're the only person I let play doctor with me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's get on that. So, um, But but I think we're starting to talk about um, environment, and I think our culture... I think um, like the U.S. has been labeled a toxic culture, and I think that's a big. Um, I, I kind of stand behind that because it, it, our culture makes it very difficult to be able to change from a less healthy to a more healthy. There's so there's a lot of um, triggers for people, hmm. you know, fast food joints everywhere, you know, um, video, yeah, yeah, TV yeah, ads, etc. Right? Extra caramel, extra sugar, and everything. Fucking New England. Yeah. I drive you're, past you're nailing it. Yeah, I drive past thirty. Seven Dunkin' Donuts it's on my way to work crazy. every fucking day. Fuck yeah. Dunkin'. They suck anyway. You can get pizzas delivered, but where can I get a nice healthy salad delivered? Or Panera just started delivering. Did they? You know, some some locations. But you you are right. You know it's it, we don't incentivize. have incentivize. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know have have it has to be there. It has to be easily accessible. It has to be. It has to be in people's faces a little bit more. And yeah. I think that if, if we can make, if more people can make a real effort to push for health throughout their lives, I think everyone will benefit. I, I, will, I will dissent very slightly there. I will say that um, I think there is something about doing the right thing in general that is difficult. I think it's by nature doing the right thing is always going to be the, the the more difficult the more effort because doing the easy thing is what a lot of folks do convenience is appealing to us that's why we order pizza convenience uh in the in the um the fast food drive through that type of thing and so it appeals to people because it is easy it, it also appeals to people because they enjoy the the flavor and the taste of the food and they've built those habits up and the, they they receive that um, neurophysiological response of the, the food. But uh, I think also that when you make something easy, it turns into fast food. When you when you make mm. something convenient, it becomes processed. I think that balance is really the key to all of this because yeah. I think that, I know that there are a lot of people out there who might be hearing this and they're going to stop you right there. And be like, I just can't do it. I just can't. And they, they shut it down so quickly. <laughs> We all, those of us who meal prep, who eat healthy on a daily basis, we know that everyone can, 
realistically, anyone listening right now who says you can't do it, you can. It's just not important enough to you. Until it becomes important enough to you to prepare your meals and to really go with the top quality or the best option for you, for your children, for whatever it is, there you need to find balance to make better decisions when you're out and around. Make better decisions at the grocery store and then work those better decisions toward the best decisions as you go. Yeah, I, I would agree. Christina, you were going to say something. I know. Um, it was, I was just going to mention on habits. Um, you know, I think what what can make it difficult is once we habituate to something, then it requires less mental energy. So so it's it's less taxing to do it. Absolutely. And so it's the easier behavior to mm-hmm. do. And then once you tr- and then when you try to, you know, implement a new behavior, that requires a lot of mental energy. Mm-hmm. Um it's more taxing, so it can it, it takes I feel like it, it takes a lot. Of, it, it almost requires that more willpower when you start because it's it's not easy. It's, it's not more like that daunting muscle. at that yeah. point too. You don't have that muscle memory um, yet, but it'll get there after repeat, 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 repeat. I think the research on tobacco cessation is an average of seven attempts before mm-hmm. you finally quit, and I think that we do notice. Clinically, the same things with people trying to stop addiction or, or to, to get clean, so to mm-hmm. speak. Um, and so that's the thing that I really try to emphasize when I'm, when I'm working with somebody is that it is very, very important to realize that you're going to fail. That needs to be baked into your expectations. But each time you fail, get back to it. Don't use that as a reason to quit. Get right yep. back to the healthy eating. Minimize the damage, so to speak. I always I caution I caution people with those type of statements because so if I tell someone listen you're gonna fail a few times with this diet they're gonna fail a few times with that yeah. diet you know so I say fuck that I say go into something knowing that you can do it without failure you know you can like we said make better choices and work toward perfect work toward best so just because it's a better choice is not the best choice that's not a failure yeah but i i see people all the time who because they have that out like we have we have a society of pussies who are ready to quit at any moment so if you tell them listen this is a hard diet you're going to fail but we'll keep on getting back on the horse they will you know yeah i guess i i do see your point in that you don't want to you don't want to license someone to um, fuck around on either their their medical nutrition therapy or their their pre contest uh, diet, but I, I guess what I mean is that I don't want someone to don't let that failure hold them down. Yeah, don't get get right back to it. Mm-hmm. Have a mentality of like you know what. Uh, it's okay to write a rough draft. It's okay to strike out. I mean, every baseball player, even the greatest, mm-hmm. they they do strike out, but they come back and they make more attempts and they make Agreed. extra efforts. And if you learn something, I mean, I almost think failure in some regards is good because it does give you an opportunity to think, what can I do better? How can I improve? And and you get something from that. As long as you take the lesson from that. You use that opportunity for growth. Precisely. Yeah, like absolutely. What, what tri- like I always talk to people too, like there's a difference between a lapse and a relapse. Like yeah. you can have a, a momentary lapse, but it doesn't have to turn into a full-blown relapse if you just start, you stay off track. And we then, should, we and, should maybe clarify that you're speaking about not drugs, but you're speaking specifically about nutrition. 
I was speaking about nutrition. Okay. But I mean, I guess it goes for any behavior you're trying to change. Like if you're trying to quit smoking and you have a cigarette, well, don't go full back to smoking. Or yeah. if you are trying, you know, drink and you have a drink, well, don't keep drinking, you know, intervene, figure out. Yeah, yeah, get your ass to a meter. I was going to draw that correlation right there because so many people fall into that trap. And now I'm I'm jumping it over to the drug side again or with, uh, you know, alcoholism, addiction. Um, But you can say the same thing for a diet, for any of the stuff that we're talking about here or for uh, food addiction or binging. If you do have a slip, if you do accidentally, you know, not accidentally, if you do make the decision to cheat on your recovery, on your diet, on whatever it is you're trying to abstain from, don't use that as an excuse to then jump mm-hmm. off the wagon, exactly. you know, because you see too many people do that. And then especially, and it's just because it's such a serious topic that I have to always lay these down, especially when it comes to recovery, the way things are out there today, you might not have that second chance. So don't, don't give up. If you're out there, you're struggling, do not give up. Do not go out there thinking you can do one more. Mm -hmm. You can't. Mm -hmm. You can't. If you make it, God bless you, but get the fuck back in and never Mm -hmm. go out again. And I think the way you reworded that, I think you start, you said it first, if you accidentally, and then you reword it and you said, if you make the decision to, I think that It's a conscious decision. Yeah. Yeah. Don't give people excuses. Thank you. Yeah. Looking at the statistics and saying... Failure is likely when you're trying to quit smoking, but it's worth quitting. It's worth improving your nutritional habits. It's worth quitting drugs because Mm -hmm. uh, Scotty is, I I have a hard time imagining him in his throes of addiction because he's just such a joy now and he's, he's just such a good friend and badass dude. I mean, it's just, (laughs) he just seems like he's in such a good place that it's, it's odd to think of that. It is inspiring, but it does tell me that it's worth it. It's worth it to really work past anything that you're struggling with, be it be it food or or, or crack. I mean, anything. Mm-hmm. It's it really is worth getting past that. That's so true. And so, life is just amazing, indeed, incredible on the other side of it all. You know, and I, I talk about this with my client Casey, who I had mentioned before, and other people as well, uh, who I'll you know leave anonymous at this point, but. We look back at some of those times at where we came from and then what recovery has done in my life. You know, I shouldn't be alive right now, first off. So I'm already blessed just by my heart beating every day. But what my life is today, the people I have in it, the way that I live, the joy, the the absolute just serenity in my life. I have a girlfriend who I love. I have my family who loves me, who I love right back. Friends who are closer than I've ever had. Life is amazing, and I almost mm-hmm. lost it all. Yeah, the idea that maybe you would not have been able to experience these last several years that have been uh, so much better and more rewarding and just the best good. years of my life. Yeah, the best years of my life. Yeah, shit does get better, and so don't throw that away for anyone out there again. You know, don't throw away your life, those years. There's so much good to have, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I say something similar, like you said, life is beautiful. I have, a, I have a similar saying. It's not quite, I mean, I didn't word it quite as well, but <laughs> what I like to say, what I like to say is that it feels so good when the cum comes out. You don't, you don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that. Like stick around, you know? I mean, like, look, 
There feels, we go. There we go. It feels so good when the cum comes you out. You got to live for something. <laughs> anyway, uh, this this has been actually kind of a little bit more of a serious episode. We haven't had a wicked serious episode in a few weeks. We've had some a lot of fun, funny episodes, but this is this has been good to have. And I don't want to be too flippant with such a topic. I mean, I've tried to be a little humorous, but um, it's also a topic that I do take very seriously. So I think it's a great topic to talk about, and I've it's been amazing. You know, talking about this with you guys, and uh, you know, life is funny and beautiful and awesome now. You know, that's what we're talking about. You know, and we're we're having fun and we are joking around. We can be a little flippant with it because no one's come yet. No, not quite yet. <laughs> Getting there. <laughs> uh, so, I, I think it's great. I think it's good to talk about these kind of things, and it's something we're all passionate about. So I think it's nice to interweave these. Clearly, and, and Jen mm-hmm. hasn't shut up. Jeez, <laughs> say hi, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "Fuck no." We'll edit that. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to um, mention that you haven't mentioned? I will have you and and Mike on the show again as soon as you guys want to come back on. So I feel like there is more that we could say about bodybuilding, especially the bodybuilding lifestyle, its implications on on uh, mm. clinical health metrics and such. How can people contact you if they want to get in touch with you, whether whether or not they want to talk addiction, maybe they, they need to talk to you, but maybe they want to talk to you about uh, competition, getting yeah. your assistance with their contest prep or their improvement season. How can people get in, in touch with you? I appreciate it. Um, you know, so that's, that's actually great that you brought that up. We didn't get to talk too, too much on some of that. Uh, so... Again, my name is Scott McLarney or Scotty Mac, as most in the industry know me. I'm one of the coaches on Team Shula. Uh, Mike Shula is the other head coach with myself. We also have a couple other coaches who are working with us now. Uh, if you want to contact me directly, my email is scottymac710 at gmail.com. It's S-C-O-T-T-Y-M-A-C-710. My Instagram is at scottymac710, so same thing there. You can contact me on either of those. Uh, We can get in touch and be it myself, Mike, or any of the other coaches that we want to work with. Uh, Or if you want to talk recovery, if you have any questions about what we've talked about today, if you have any comments at all, I'd love to to hear from anybody. Yeah, and their athletes at Team Shula are alien robots. I mean, these people are not human. They look Robot aliens. Robot aliens. I'm sorry, (laughs) I fucked that up. All good, all good. They're robot aliens, which is an important distinction to make because alien robots is not the same. That's bullshit. That's (laughs) fucking bullshit. I don't even know what I was smoking. They're (laughs) robot aliens. There we go. Robot aliens. Robot aliens. robot aliens. What I what I do mean to say is that they look incredible. These athletes really do place very well. They kick ass and they have a lot of fun. I've hung out for, with Team Shula on several occasions. It is a great environment. It is a great atmosphere as an athlete. The the family the family style of interaction of group hangouts, group posing. I really benefited from it myself. I love the team. Um, they're really, really great people. So if you want to get involved, not just for the sake of bodybuilding, but uh, just for the sake of kind of having this extended family, they are the best you could possibly choose in that regard. Thank you for that, Jay. Anything else that you uh, you want to tell people? We, I'm going to plug a few things, but anything that you would like to, uh, any parting words that you'd like to say, my man, now is the time. 
You know, I think that we covered really most of what we were going to go over today. Thank yeah. you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Jason, for having me on. This is it's really been a pleasure. It's been a blast. For shizzle. And if you got anything out of this episode, uh, by all means, tell your friends. And, you know, turn people on to the show. We do appreciate everybody listening. Um, I want to do give a few plugs. Our homeboy, Nolan Gregg, his band, You're Fired. They've been on the show a few weeks ago. They've got some live shows coming up I want to plug for anybody in the Boston area. They're playing June 15th at Sonia. That's in Cambridge, Mass. Um, They're also playing May 18th. That's this Friday, motherfuckers. But they're playing in um, at Bungalow in Manchester, New Hampshire. So if you're in the Manchester area and you want to go see a live show, if you want to see me and Christina live getting a little bit tipsy, we will be there um, trying to prove that we're not addicts. Uh, although that we may we may fail in, in trying to convince you of that. But I also want to plug my podcast NH Brothers. These are my podcasting brothers and sisters from other misters because there's some ladies on the uh, network as well with the MU Diary. We added a few new shows, so feel free to go check out the podcast NH website. We got new shows, C&G Pro Wrestling Podcast. We've also got a podcast called Unqualified Networks Podcast. These motherfuckers have done 350 episodes. They've been podcasting since Whoa. 2011, I know. So these are like, I, geez, I mean, make me feel like a youngster, right? I don't know what I'm doing, but I, we need to ask them for some tips. So go check out CNG Pro Wrestling Podcast, Unqualified Networks Podcast. Go check out podcastnh.com for some cool New Hampshire-based podcasts if you want to support your local podcast. Not that that really matters. I mean, we were wide motherfuckers. Uh, also check out our homeboys. We need to talk. They're at they're on Twitter at WNTT one. Hit up our homeboys. We need to talk. And uh, baby, what you got? Nothing. I think you said it very well. Thank you. <laughs> I am known for being very eloquent. All right. Thanks, motherfuckers, for listening. We'll check you later. Thank you. Peace out. Peace out, motherfuckers. Like a hundred bucks No, I'm a young and broad My millies a hundred So I'm feeling no sore deluxe I ain't into social I just think you suck And I ain't gonna let you bring me down When I feel enough So what in love Ladies, I'm your man But no, I ain't gonna stick around Cause baby, I got bigger plans Bye, I'm down